2: Thursday, start of the off-season here on Bird 365, and a tradition like no other. I sound like Jim Nance here. I don't know if it's that big a deal, but it is to us here in Philadelphia, the seasonal wrap press conference with the general manager yeah. and the coach, uh, John McMullin, Jody McDonald here with you. J-Mac, I uh, heard <coughs> you get your question in yesterday, being the ever-good soldier you are, did the quasi-follow-up thing. It wasn't a complete follow-up, but... Uh, You you got your question in, each of you guys. I feel bad. When I watch these things, I know how hard you guys work and how uh, many questions. You'd sit there and you could spend the entire 35 minutes, which was how long. Yesterday's gathering lasted all by yourself asking questions, but you all get your shots and uh, there are no follow-ups, which makes it a difficult thing to do. Uh, Just give me your general thought before we get into specifics of yesterday's Howie Roseman, Nick Sirianni meet the media gathering with
3: uh one is about as expected uh i think they left doors open you know you're going to hear the the team named janlin hearts hurts the starting quarterback but you know people miss for now <laughs> you know and we'll do anything possible to try to to better the team how he said uh later in the press conference so i think they were both and by the way, when it came to assistant coaches, I think Nick Sirianni was very savvy as well because Jeffrey Lurie's had this recent history of when things, you know, and um, poorly and things end poorly, by the way, for 31 teams in this league. Okay. Um, if somebody's got to pay for it. And That has been the, the modus operandi. So I thought he handled that well and kind of, Balanced and said, I love my guys. I want them back. And he also said, but we're still in the evaluation period. Haven't met with Jeffrey Laurie yet. So I thought he handled that well because that was one of the pitfalls of Doug Peterson. Um, then we got some clarity on Brandon Grant. Brandon's going to be back and Brandon Brooks, less kick clarity, but I was able to backdoor that because I told Ed Kratz to, to get Brandon Brooks in there um because we we haven't had much clarity um there's there's rumors he might retire um i don't know if he's going to retire but um he's not going to be back and i think he you could get that picture uh here with the eagles a lot of that has to do by the way with landon dickerson developing so quickly into a to a top tier um potential player um and then uh, y- y- you start talking about the draft because this draft is going to be so important. Try to get as much out of Howie as possible to to see if he'll value more positions than he typically values. Uh, you know, obviously, linebacker would be most notable on that list. We kind of talked about as Jerry Robinson gets ready to pop the champagne again. 1979, he's the Miami Dolphins of draft picks. (laughs) Um, And, you know, he's not going to say, we're going to take a linebacker, but it's going to be interesting with three picks if that changes his philosophy and also if, if, if a new coaching staff changes his philosophy because this coaching staff and particularly Jonathan Gannon, if he doesn't get a head coaching job, if you look at his history, well, Darius Leonard and Indianapolis and Anthony Barr in Minnesota and Eric Hendricks in Minnesota. I mean, they value linebackers, so maybe that shifts things. But, um, hey, it's never a bad thing when you get 35 minutes with the with the general manager. All
2: right. A uh, couple of things. And uh, the head coach. You've already gotten over that I want to go over in more detail. It, good thing that you pushed dead crats about Brandon Brooks because uh, – w- w- Oh, by the way, Ed will be with us in hour number two. Uh, we're moving him up. Usually he's a Friday guy here on Bird 365. We got him jumping on today. Um, seeing as he was the one who uh, speculated that we could see Brandon Brooks before the season was over. And there was no sighting of him, uh, hide nor hair. Uh, so, yes, it's uh, good that Ed, Ed jumped in on that end of the pool. Um And you aren't buying at all the line of thinking that it was important for the Eagles to make sure that Brandon Brooks was healthy by the end of the season so he didn't have to have an offseason of rehabbing and the like. You aren't buying that line of thinking that they were protecting Brandon Brooks this year and and, and, and having to fight him off it almost sounded like to come back and join the team?
3: Um, Well, that was the interesting dichotomy because, you know, ed asked the question and got both brandon graham and brandon Brooks, so he got both brandons in there like we see brandon graham all the time all the time and he was on even on the sidelines uh in in, in tampa trying to create visions for tom brady i guess of strip sacks pass but it didn't work, that work? Um, yeah it didn't work out but but my point is Brandon's there. He's at the NovaCare complex. He's always you know he's the same bullion self. He's team leader. He's front and center. He 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 spends more time with us than the players playing. You know because he's such an engaging personality. He's willing uh, to talk to people and, and and do all those types of things. You know pre when we got scaled back for COVID again, but. You know, when Brandon got hurt, he was gone. He was a ghost. Uh, I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him. Like, I see Isaac Sayamalo, um, um, other rehabbing players, uh, whether it's simply walking to their car or rolling to their car, if it's a rollabout, whatever. Um, I haven't seen him. And if you go back to, I, I think, I want to get the chron chronologic. I want to get this chronologically right. Torn Achilles, dislocated shoulder, torn Achilles, pack strain pack. It was described as a strain pack, whatever it was. If it was torn, slight hair, whatever, whatever ultimately ended up to be. This guy's been constantly rehabbing injuries over the past three years, essentially. And I think he's just tired of it. I think he's just tired of it, and that's where the retirement talk kind of sparked up. We'll see. Maybe he is healthy. Maybe, maybe, maybe he gets reinvigor reinvigorated in the off season. Either way, if he wants to continue play playing or don't doesn't, I don't know if he's going to be back here. So,
2: all uh, right. Let Let me combine two things you said: uh, Brandon Brooks and draft conversation. Howie did a good tap dance about um, the way they previously drafted, uh, compared to the fact that they have not one, two, three first-round draft picks this year. So, could a position that the Eagles have not usually drafted uh, with a first-round pick be in play? And Howie did come out and say it's all dependent on the board, the value of the player. But but but, but he said we do have our philosophy, and we plan on sticking to our philosophy. Even if Brandon Brooks never plays another snap in the national football like he retires, he'll trade him, whatever else. There's no way they're taking an offensive lineman with one of those three picks, which John McMullen, Jody McDonald, and a whole bunch of other people, including Harry Roseman, actually the only one that matters, uh, opened the door for the possibility of potentially trading one back a year to give them extra value in 2023. So they've got three which may end up as only two, there's no way they're taking an offensive lineman with one of those two picks.
3: I wouldn't go down that road, Jody. I mean, you got the kid from Iowa, the center. Um, but we gonna...
2: got Suo uh, a what, what did Kelsey call him again?
3: Uh, rising Tesla stock.
2: Tesla? He's a Tesla. What the hell? Is that Tesla never going to get on the field? He had to because Herbert was hurt in the playoff game. But you get my drift. They've got all this quality backup depth on the offensive line. How do you use a first-round pick when you need linebackers, safeties, quarterbacks, Uh, ridership? Do I need to go further down the list? uh, They're going to take another offensive lineman? Are you telling me that?
3: Well, I'm with you. I don't think they're going to take the three first-round picks. If by some strange circumstance they take three first-round picks, I'm going to flat-out guarantee it. What is it? What time is it? Mark it down, Jody. If they take three first-round, one of them's going to be an offensive lineman. One of them's good. That's just what they believe. I mean, that's just, and you know they're probably we, we do talk about Sue O'Pet a lot, and Nate Herbig a lot, and it's amazing the job that Jeff Stoutland has done with them. And people forget Jack Triscoll. I mean, you got to get past because he's hurt. Um, and he's done a great job with a mid-level pick like him, um, on and on and on and on. But, you know, Brandon Brooks is different. Um, Landon Dickerson has the potential to be different. Uh, Jeff Stoutman will tell you even Isaac Samalo is different. Um, I know fans aren't as on board with that as Jeff is, but, um, that's the type of players they want. Uh, On the offensive line. And and they have it. And Jason Kelsey. And obviously Jordan Mailata now. And Lane Johnson. Um, But you know if Jason Kelsey retires.
2: now That 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 changes the dynamic. If you're losing both Brooks and Kelsey. Then you got to give. Then
3: they got some interesting questions. I think Landon Dickerson played so well. At left guard. I don't think they're moving him. So I think Isaac because of his versatility. He can play essentially anywhere. Um, I think that's a nice piece to have. If if Kelsey comes back, he'll just slide into right guard. Uh, If Kelsey doesn't come back and you got to replace both, then you start talking about Isaac might play center. Maybe a draft a kid from Iowa. We're going to have Zach Berman on this morning. He put out his first mock draft 15. Tyler, what's his name? You're
2: the you're the college guy. I haven't dived into. No, it I refuse yet. to look at offensive line oh. because the Eagles are nine deep in offensive line. They don't yeah. need an offensive line. Ah, so. uh, uh,
3: I'll I'll figure it out in a second. But um, I I know he 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 did his first uh, mock draft as they call it, which is probably about worth the time it took him to write it. But Tyler Lindenbaum from the center from Iowa, he had the Eagles taking him at fifteen. Um, look, that's what this team believes. And they're right. I mean, that's one thing you can't argue with. They're right. They're right. And that's the reason I picked them to be better than most people did. That's the reason you picked them to be better than most people did. If you can block people in this league, you can do some things offensively. Look at all the issues with the skill position players. So I get where people are saying, that's sexy. That's sexy, Jody. But, you know, you – all these teams looking for coaches right now got better skill position players than the Eagles pretty much, maybe not Houston, but pretty much the rest of them. You know, we talk about Minnesota all the time because of Jefferson. Well, Dalvin cook, Kirk cousins, Adam thielen they got good skill position players, but they can't block anybody. Jody. They can't block anybody. I love that kid. Javante Williams in, in, in Denver the receivers they have with, with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sun, they can't block anybody when Garrett Bowles was out. And and by the way, Garrett Bowles, I think, is a good player, but he's not Lane Johnson. He's not Jordan Milana I, I, I mean, it's sexy, so I understand why people want it. But the Eagles are right when they say,
2: you got to build up the offense. The key to to that, like everything, yeah, offense, defense, passing, running the ball, aggression, non-aggression. The key to winning a Super Bowl is balance. You need to be pretty damn good at everything. If you want the eventual prize to stand there with the trophy at the end of the year, you need balance. It's not, oh, the trenches, trenches, trenches. It's not wide receivers, wide receivers, wide receivers. No, no. You need balance, offense, defense, inside, outside. That's how you end up winning a championship. I
3: agree with you, Jody. I agree with you 100%. But I do think the foundation is more important than the, the accentuations, the the whatever you want to call it, the furniture, the sexy right, but, stuff, but as I was talking You can
2: overdo the foundations, right? Sure, it is possible because, to overdo the foundation. But you,
3: you, you can be competitive with the foundation. You can't be competitive without the foundation.
2: That's fair. That's fair. But uh, I heard Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni both say uh, several times yesterday. We're still in a building mode. We're still in a building mode. We're not there yet. We're still in a building mode. Well, if that's the case, well, then you need both. You need to build the entire thing, not just the foundation, not just the extremities, but you need to build the entire thing. And the Eagles have building to do. They have to do during the offseason. All right, Jack Berman's going to join us shortly. Um, Just uh, we'll get into the quarterback, and we'll certainly do so with Jack as well. Pretty damn emphatic yesterday that Jalen Hurts is their guy. They didn't – Howie Roseman – the speaking of appendages, he didn't go down the finger line nah. this year he like he did he last year it. with uh, Carson Wentz. But I thought it was pretty darn affirmative for Jalen Hurts. He's going to be their quarterback. Certainly, things change, situations change, people's opinions change. But I, I was actually a little surprised that they were as locked into Jalen Hurts as they seemed to be with their words yesterday. I wasn't,
3: to be honest. That's what I expected. I I do, you know, we we parse these things and I parsed them and I did notice that probably after the fact, more than that, they said for now. And then Howie later in the press conference went into, well, we're always looking to improve every position at every time. So he left the door ajar and I think very little, you know, but why slam the door? Uh, it's not smart to slam the door So that's what I think they did 95% Jalen Hurts is going to be The starting quarterback of this team But if they can get a superstar If circumstances change They left the door open that much And we're going to talk about that With Zach Berman I see him popping up in the background
2: there he is, so Mr. the Mr. Athletic. Athletic himself with the yeah. outstanding uh, book draft behind him. Uh, Zach Berman joins us here on Birds 365. All right, you're just jumping in to the quarterback conversation. Um, was the number one type of conversation when you guys met with Thaui and uh, with Nick yesterday. Um, I thought slightly more than I thought we were going to get an affirmation of Jalen Hurts. I'm not saying they slammed the door, as John just pointed out. That's smart. They're too smart not to do that, but they, they didn't leave it open wide. They opened it and left it open a little bit of a crack. We all had our expectations of what they were going to say prior to them saying it yesterday. Zach, were you surprised at all by the 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 the, the strength of their belief that Jalen Hurts is going to be their guy come twenty twenty two?
4: Well, first off, I like your backdrops, right? <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty cold and wet here in Philly. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, so being on the beach would be appealing. Uh, to answer your question, I I wouldn't say I was surprised. I would say that I, uh, you know, like John said, they are leaving that, that, that door open a crack. I mean, if, if Russell Wilson is available to them, if Russell Wilson wanted to come to Philly and they were able to land him, um, they're, they're not hanging up the phone. That said, I think that they have a good sense of what the market is going to be. I don't think they're going into this offseason saying, all right, we need to get the best quarterback we can get. I think they know what the options are. And frankly, the alternatives probably aren't more, the realistic alternatives, that is, probably aren't more appealing than Jalen Hurts. I don't think any of the quarterbacks in this draft are the types of quarterbacks where you would unseat Jalen Hurts and make that three-year commitment that you would to a first-round pick. Um, now there are veterans available, but they don't know. I, I I think they have an idea of what that marketplace is going to be, and the odds are more in favor of them going to Jalen Hurts than them making that type of blockbuster trade. The easiest thing for them to do would be if they made one of those trades. You say, yeah, you know, we thought Jalen was the starting quarterback, but we didn't have we didn't know this opportunity was there. So I I, I think they protected themselves, but I I, I don't think they were deceiving the media or deceiving the public. I do think they're going into the off season with the plan of Jalen Hurts as their quarterback.
3: Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment, Zach. And I do give both Howie and Nick Sirianni credit for being uh, savvy enough to leave those doors open. In Nick's case, I want to talk about the assistant coaches because we know Jeffrey Glory's recent history uh, with assistant coaches 31 teams out of 32 ultimately is going to be unhappy at the end of their season. Um, Somebody might have to pay for that. It's probably not fair in a scapegoating type issue, but I think Nick did a good job of saying, I love my guys. I want them all back, but I haven't met with Jeffrey Lurie yet. I've only been through a few of my evaluations other than Jonathan Gannon, who has some head coaching interviews, he'll finish up, I think, with Minnesota today. He already interviewed with Houston and Denver. If he's back, um, do you see any changes on that coaching staff?
4: Well, most years that I've covered the Eagles here, this, this is my 10th season covering the Eagles, most year there is are, are staff changes, whether minor or major, but staff changes. And in, in particular, uh, when you look at, at new head coaches, you, you see some revisions to that staff going into year two. Um, Sometimes it's, it's because of opportunities elsewhere for coaches. Other times it's, it's because, you know, you see what, what your staff looks like in, in practice and, and, uh, and you want to make those changes. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me if there are one or two changes here I don't expect any seismic changes. You know, I I know that there's there's fan angst about Jonathan Gannon. Uh, We can argue that it's misguided, but I can't foresee a defensive coordinator change unless Jonathan Gannon gets a head coaching job elsewhere.
2: All right. Uh, One of the things I always enjoy doing, and you guys actually do it, I'm a voyeur. I just sit back and watch and try and analyze and or pick it apart afterwards is where would I throw the BS flag? And I would have thrown (laughs) one on Howie yesterday when he said from the time that he started in his position as general manager, had a Hall of Fame coach, Andy Reid, and the draft was an extension of the relationship between Andy Reid and Howie Roseman. And he made it sound like this is what we've still got going here in Philadelphia. Do you really believe Nick Sirianni, Jonathan Gannon, whoever else is still on his coaching staff is going to guide Howie Roseman through the draft or Howie Roseman is going to do what Howie Roseman wants and he's going to expect the coaching staff to make it work?
4: Well, no, I I actually do believe that that Howie makes picks based on how he thinks the staff will use the player. That doesn't mean that, that, that there's agreement entirely between, you know, the scouting staff and the coaching staff. Uh, between the GM, the coach, between between the analytics department. And, you know, there's there's a lot of different voices there. But I, I don't think Howie's taking a player that doesn't fit in the coaching staff scheme and says, make it work, right? Um, so I, I do believe Howie when he says, you know, you're drafting the players for the coaching staff to use them. Um, and, and, and that is the case. Now, uh, there's a lot that goes beyond – um, there's a lot that goes beyond simply scheme, right? Uh, you know, and, and and coaches have preferences in terms of traits that the scouting staff or the front office or the analytics staff might disagree on. Uh, so I I think that what Howie said is accurate, but I do think there's there's nuance there. And the other thing I'll th- I'll tell you, and I I know this um, anecdotally and factually from from covering the team, is there there's not always agreement among the coaching staff there's times that the coordinator wants a player but the position coach doesn't want him or there's a time that the head coach wants a player you know but uh someone else on, on the staff doesn't have a, a use for him so uh you know it, it re- the thing i can't emphasize enough especially during the draft is it's never one uniform pick there's always a collection of voices and when the pick doesn't work out that's when you hear those voices more
3: yeah perfect example on draft night was tom donahue and and uh, Tom Donahoe and Jonathan Gannon about Milton Williams. JG was really excited about that. Looked like uh, Tom wanted to go in a different direction, but that happens in every draft room in every city. And I think fans need to understand that. So Zach is correct there. I do want to shift toward some of the players. We got a little bit more certainty when it came to Brandon Graham. It certainly looks like he's going to be back. I don't think that surprises many people. Brandon Brooks, though, still some uncertainty Zach. And I think that's an interesting dichotomy because, you know, we've seen Brandon a lot. Brandon is a, a constant at the Nova care complex. I don't, I don't know about you. I haven't seen Brandon Brooks since he was injured, kind of recessed to the background. He, um, I was trying to go through it chronologically. I think it was torn Achilles, dislocated shoulder, torn Achilles, then the peck injury um, lot of rehabbing over yep. the past couple of years. You think that's worn on Brandon Brooks? You think he even wants to play? And is he a fit for the Eagles if he does once want to play?
4: Well, to the first part, I I I can't speak for Brandon because I haven't spoken to Brandon here. Um, so uh, you know, I've I, and and similar to you, I haven't seen him around. I, I've seen him on the sideline at games, but I haven't spoken to Brandon since the summer. Um, So I, I, I don't know where his head is at there from just a, a football perspective and a team building perspective. He's played two games in the past two seasons and he's had, he's ended the last four years with injuries. Uh, So it's hard to, to count on that player being your starting guard next season when he's played two games in two years. Now we all know when Brandon Brooks is on the field, He's one of the best players in the NFL, frankly, Um, you know, and and he's been able to come back from injuries before. But when you look at that cap number uh, and you just look at it from an availability perspective, it would surprise me if he's the starting right guard next year. And I could be wrong there. And, you know, like the Eagles said, it was very important for Brandon to get to the off season healthy he hasn't had a healthy offseason here the past three years. He's been rehabbing every time, so uh, I I can understand it from that perspective, and that's someone who I wouldn't count out from you know a physical perspective there. Uh, but I'm 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 just saying if 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 I was in Hallie Roseman's seat and I'm planning my 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 roster, it's hard to plan around someone who's
2: played two games in two seasons. All right, I know it's all about the O-line, but I'm going to take a chance and move to the extremities here. You see Quez Watkins is one of the top wide receiver twos in the league? Because Nick did yesterday, said he thought he could achieve that kind of status. I think he'd kind of be down the list of wide receiver twos, not even threes, two for Quez Watkins. Sorry about that, Jalen Rager. Um they seem to have a lot of faith in him. Are we to believe they're not going to try and upgrade wide receiver this off season?
4: No, I would expect them to try to upgrade a wide receiver this off season. in the free agency market, more than the draft market. You know, I, I know that there are, are, are mock drafts out there that have the Eagles taking a wide receiver in the first round. I could be wrong. It would surprise me if they spent three consecutive first round picks on wide receivers. I, I know they have three picks this year, but to do it in 1920, I'm sorry, they do it in 2021, and 22 with a second round pick in, in 19. I just think from a resource allocation, that's not the way to go. I think more likely you'll you'll see them get into the free agency market, similar to what you saw in 2017 when they had a young wide receiver core and they went out. They signed Alshon Jeffrey that year to a one year deal. They they brought in Torrey Smith. I don't know if they'll add two, but I think when you look at at some of the, it, it's a strong wide receiver free agency class. I think there could be some guys looking for one-year show-me deals, um, and I think the number two receiver next year will come via, via free agency. What I found more noteworthy yesterday from what Sirianni was saying in that answer was a clear pecking order. With Quez yeah, one, number two, I was surprised by Jalen that. Jalen Rager, number three. That's not the way it was going into the year. It's clearly the way it is coming out of the year. And the other thing I'll add to that is when you look at, at Jalen Rager – if he's the clear number three right now and the Eagles add a veteran wide receiver, then he goes in the camp competing to be the number four guy, and that guy's not guaranteed a roster spot. So uh, it's going to be a fascinating few months for Jalen Rager.
3: Yeah, that was going to be my follow-up there, Zach. How surprised were you that it was so clearly defined, and you, you kind of gave it there, wide receiver mm-hmm. two for Quez Watkins, wide receiver three for Jalen Rager. And Howie was pretty honest to saying they expected more out of Jalen Rager at this point in his career, which is obvious to those on the outside, but sometimes that's difficult for a GM who picked the guy and it's on his resume to admit something like that. You think that's a positive? You think uh, as a reclamation project, there's even – any hope for Jalen Rager at this point with the Philadelphia Eagles? Uh, the
4: kid's got talent. Yeah. I mean, but it could be
3: a change of scenery situation.
4: No, you're right about that, and I, I did think the comments were were noteworthy. You can't brush them off. Uh, the most mm-hmm. apt comparison I, I I could give is is Nelson Aguilar's first two years were worse than Jalen Rager's first two years, and going into year three. The, you know, like I said, the Eagles made changes, pushed Aguilar down the depth chart, but the conversation was different internally. What I kept hearing about Nelson Aguilar then was this guy does everything the right way. He's working hard. Um, we believe there's 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 talent there. We're not giving up on him, you know, and and in that example, Joe, uh, uh, Nelson Aguilar looked outstanding during the spring, looked outstanding to, uh, during the summer. To the point that the Eagles traded Jordan Matthews because they needed to get a spot on the field for Nelson Aguilar. They had signed, you know, they had signed Alshon, they had signed Tory, so Nelson Aguilar moved down to fourth on the depth chart, like we were talking about with Jalen Rager, and they had to get him on the field. Perhaps that happens with Jalen Rager this offseason, but like I said, the conversation is different. And the other example we could use is Danny Watkins, who first-round pick two years with the team, did not establish himself. They were disappointed in a lot of, um, you know, aspects of that behind the scenes and they cut him going into year three. So really those are the two paths here. It could be the light bulb finally clicks or they move on or they try to do a change of scenery trade, uh, our disappointment for your disappointment, that, that, that type of thing. But it did, it, it, it was noteworthy to me that they were that outspoken about, the fact that it hasn't worked
2: out so far. Do you think Quez Watkins ever says, hey, at least I'm not Danny. I'm number two. That's pretty good. Uh, out of the Watkins comparison. I think. <laughs> I'd be surprised if Quez Watkins knew who Danny Watkins was. <laughs> <and that. laughs> exactly right. now. Yeah. find out. Yeah. Uh, no, you guys only had 35 minutes yesterday. And sometimes the guys go off on, on long answers and the like. The running back situation never came up. Um, contractually, the way that they were used over the course of the year, do we see a major change in the Eagle running back situations, Zach, or is it going to be the same four guys and just trying to figure out how to best fit them? Contracts are up; uh, contract decisions need to be made on certain guys like uh, Miles. Uh, how do you think running back plays this offseason?
4: Yeah, Miles Sanders is eligible for a, a contract extension. I'm I'm not sure he's <clears throat> he's going to get the type of deal that he might want as far as an extension this offseason it would surprise me at this point if 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 that occurs uh you know you have sanders you have gainwell back you have boston scott back i could see them drafting a running back that's a position where you sh- you should add a player on a rookie contract every year to fill that depth chart that's probably the path they would go more than than jordan howard but you know if, if jordan howard's back it would be on a similar deal to this year where it's a veteran a, a, a vet minimum type um but I, I would expect for the most part that group to the those guys are to, to remain the same and then add a rookie in there uh into the mix but it would surprise me if they made a high profile move at, at that position Uh, Okay,
3: Zach, I know you got to run pretty quickly here. So I want to get, and everybody read Zach and Bo Wolf, by the way, friend of the show as well at The Athletic. Uh, Congratulations on your new corporate overlords. I want to say that as well. (laughs) Thank you. New York Times. But um, you you put it's mock draft season. So I think most of us probably, and I think you'd be in that category, ultimately think the Eagles probably won't take all three of those spots. But right now it's 15, 16, 19. I like what you have center from Iowa, which Jody doesn't like, but Jason Kelsey might retire cornerback and edge rusher. Um, Edge rusher especially makes a lot of sense for me. Is Jerry Robinson going to be popping champagne as the only off ball linebacker drafted since 1979 again, or does his coaching staff change the philosophy? Will they consider a playmaking linebacker in the first round of the draft.
4: Well, so a quick clarification: that mock draft that was um, from the Athletics, Dane Brugler. And okay, sorry, we were analyzing it. So uh, I'm I'm not sure they would go the center in the first round, but you know, if if, if they think he's a uh, all all pro type player, that changes the conversation. As far as the linebacker, I wouldn't rule it out because of the volume of picks. I expect the Eagles to trade back at, at least, at least one of those picks. So maybe that's trading to the bottom of the first round. Maybe that's trading out of the first round entirely. Uh, but I, I do think that if the Eagles saw a guy, whether it's N'Kobe Dean, whether it's, it's Devin Lloyd and and they're on the clock and he's on the board um, and they think this guy can be uh, an, an eight, 10 year starter for you. and, and and there aren't that many eight ten year starters anymore, anyways. Yeah. But uh, but I don't think the positional value will will prohibit them from taking it. That said, if there's a and an, an edge rusher and a corner on the board that they like, they'll take the edge rusher and the corner every single time. And I don't expect that to change. Um, it would it would really surprise me if they're on the clock and you have a dynamic linebacker and you have a high upside edge rusher don't take the high and they don't take the high, ups, and they don't take the high ed- upside edge rusher they're good they will come out of this first round with a d lineman and a defensive back in some variety and then I, I can't tell you what the third one's going to be but I'd be fairly confident that there will be a d lineman and a defensive back taken
2: all right the uh, last thing we know we got to let you go I'm gonna predict right here there's a party going on in this room <laughs> in our backdrop now I need to know what's the big red book over your left shoulder? Red book over my left shoulder. Which oh, that's your right here? shoulder. Go to your left shoulder.
4: <laughs> this one here. Yes, playing for keeps by uh by David Halberstam. That's that's a that's a Michael Jordan book. It's one of my favorites. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Halberstam yeah. can write. I could actually I, right. I I could go through every one of these these uh, books for you, but my favorite one. Is underdogs off the Philadelphia Eagles? <laughs> there we go. Oh, I yeah. just
2: happen to have that one yeah. handy. You're very good. <laughs> What's the name of that book here? One more time. Uh, Zach. Underdogs I- the
4: Philadelphia Eagles' emotional road to Super Bowl victory. And it's very, and nice. for this right. offseason, Amazon,
2: you can get it all your better bookstores and the like. I'm assuming exactly, and and you can see how they put together that Super Bowl roster.
4: So if you're interested in roster construction this year, yeah. there's a lot of behind the scenes of the, of that year's team in here. Very Got good. any
3: books on? coming up, Zach.
4: Uh, not scheduled, but uh, if you get in touch with me, I'm happy to send you a copy.
2: <laughs> That's good it. stuff. I uh, appreciate you coming on board. You know we're going to tap into your plenty during the offseason. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Nice, Zach. That is Zach Berman here with us on uh, Birds 365. All right. A little long because Zach needed to do it early today, so we need to get our first break in. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. You're listening to Birds 365.
5: Go for the midnight dares.
0: You know you like being right. That's why you should enroll in an Independence Blue Cross plan. It's the health plan chosen by more people than any other, with more doctors and hospitals, more benefits that really rock, more of the coverage you want for the right price, including free doctor visits 24-7. It's a choice you can feel good about, because when you're right, you're right. And when you've got Independence Blue Cross, you're right where you need to be. Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan.
7: Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Three. One, two, three. because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia Bank.
2: MAGA that guy, John McMullen, Judd in the here with you on Birch 365, the off-season is underway. It was actually underway about, oh, I'd say mm, 10 minutes into the game. When did Tampa get their second touchdown? <laughs> it's just on, uh, Third possession, uh, so, yeah. Uh, but no, they got their second touchdown on their second possession. Uh, the yeah.
3: yeah. yeah. A, no, I uh, think they had the one possession, the three and out, but I got to double check that. Uh, well, they scored with 25 seconds left in the First quarter. quarter to take the 14-0 lead. Um, yeah, they gave up the touchdown. Then they had uh then they had the three and outs. Um and and on the third possession, the Bucks scored their second touchdown. But they maybe, had that maybe
2: because the Eagles' possessions were so short themselves. Yeah. I completely forgot about yeah. the one stop that they got between the two touchdowns. Here's the one stat I did notice, and I will Probably retained for altogether too long. Total yards in the first quarter: Tampa Bay Buccaneers one thirty-seven, Philadelphia Eagles seventeen. Yeah. So if you if you need to say after one quarter, I'm perfectly fine with that. That's when the uh, the the off season started for the Philadelphia Eagles. Sorry to say, guys. Um, John, one of the things that I find fascinating slash bothering bothersome is a conversation you and I have already had. You uh, got into it with Jack as well about the coaching staff. And Nick Sirianni did, as you pointed out in our first segment, an outstanding job of uh, doing the tap dance on that. Uh, Likes his coach, works well with his coach. We work together as a unit, like all my guys. I've talked to some, haven't had a chance to talk them all. Uh, I will over the next two days. We're going to have our meetings, but I like our guys. And, oh, by the way, I haven't had my end of season meeting with Mr. Laurie just yet. And you're pointing out when Zach concurring that uh, Jeff Lori usually does have his fingerprints on the coaching staff. Certainly was the case during the Doug Peterson era. We know that. And we expect it to be the same going forward. Now, he's the owner. He's the boss. What's your favorite line about certain players that are so far off the charts good that uh, FU players. Yeah. FU players. Guess what? Jeff Lloyd being the owner makes him an FU guy. He can do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. It's his team. I get that. And I acknowledge that. Should an owner really be deciding positional coaches no. No, on a he
3: shouldn't. team? No, he shouldn't. No, he shouldn't. Look, you're right. On one circumstance, you can do whatever the hell you want. As you said, nobody's arguing that. But you got to realize, you know, your expertise and generally in, when it comes to owners, it's it's business and the business aspect, certainly not football. Occasionally, Jerry Richardson played when he was, you know, before he became the owner of the Carolina Panthers back in the day. But um, you hit the nail on the head with position coaches, with head coaches, I mean. So much of it is not related to football, the head coaching job. I often talk about the enormity of jobs, head coach and GM specifically. They're far bigger than the average fan realizes. Um, There's so many other parts, other tentacles to the job that don't involve football. Um, not with position coaches. That's all football. That's yeah. all mechanics. That's all teaching. That's all they do. And you don't have an expertise in that. Even though you've been owning this team over a quarter century, he's a practice more than most owners. He's probably learned a heck of a lot. I, You know, in a lot of ways, other than the success, we've been around the NFL about the same amount of time, Jeffrey, Laurie, and I. And I, I think I know a lot about football. I do. And, you know, people can call that ego or whatever. But I don't have the ego to say, I know more than assistant coaches, when it comes to the mechanics of teaching the position. I haven't gotten that for any particular position. I haven't gotten that kind of ego. Um, I don't know. Um, you know, there are other people that can evaluate those jobs better than me. Jeffrey Lurie has to understand that as well. Too often he hasn't understood it. From my perspective, he he wants somebody to blame after the season. That's how it's been the past few seasons. Maybe it changes this time with Nick Sirianni. But it wouldn't surprise me if one or two assistants are looking for new jobs. And, you know, maybe, you know, this is the tough part. Maybe Nick Sirianni didn't think they did a good job. There's one assistant, and I don't want to bring him up because I don't want to cost him his job. But I know he didn't think he was going to be back. And he was told at one point to start looking for other jobs. And ultimately he was brought back. Um, So, you know, the Eagles were probably looking for an upgrade at that point, weren't able to get it and said, well, let's bring him back. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if this particular assistant would be let go. And, and it wouldn't surprise me if there were two or three, but as far as Jonathan Gannon and even Michael Clay, because I know Reuben Frank created some uh, a little bit of ripple. Dave Zangaro mentioned that yesterday on the show by pointing out that the special teams weren't great this year, other than Jake Elliott. Um, I'd be shocked if those guys weren't back. Again, and obviously, if he doesn't get a head coaching job, I would be shocked if they weren't back. Here's- and Shane Steichen, you don't have to worry about. You know, the two guys – sorry, Jody, um, to interrupt, but two guys he mentioned that did a great job are Shane Steichen and Brian Johnson. So they have nothing to worry about. Um, Kevin Petulo, obviously, he has nothing to worry about. Um, everybody else uh, – they got to get past the Jeffrey Lurie hurdle, but I, I would imagine I mean, the coordinators are going to be back other than Gannon
8: getting a job elsewhere.
2: All right. And again, you, you are closer to these positional coaches. Now you get a chance to see him at least do their work. You do get to talk to some of your players, some of the players. Um, usually we've got bigger fish to fry than ask about. How's it between you and your positional coach? But I've always believed that that is an integral part in judging whether a position coach is doing his job or not, that he's got to forge a relationship with the players underneath them. And a couple of the guys who did exit interviews with you guys over the last couple did go into not great detail, but just mentioning their positional coaches, more so their coordinators and their positional coaches, but a couple of guys did mention and their coach could potentially be a coordinator someday in the like. That's what I would judge it on. Does Jeff Lurie have any idea what the Eagle players think about their positional coaches? My guess would be not. So if that is in my estimation, a key aspect, how do you even make that call? How, how do you decide whether positional coach is getting the job done or not? If you're an owner of a football team.
3: Listening to uh, talk radio too much, uh, hopefully, us streaming, you on WIP. Um, you know, look, bands and, and their um, impact on, on thought process can, can affect things. Um, Carson Walsh, probably a great example of this uh, a couple years ago. I mean, they just thought that guy was a disaster. Um, And and if you want to be honest, they have no idea. I mean, I'm not being mean. They have no idea. That's just because the receivers were terrible. Um, they blamed it on a guy who didn't look like a receiver's coach because he was short and uh, he wasn't that dynamic when he spoke and all these other ancillary things. And as we go back to the introductory press conference of Nick Sirianni, will, that doesn't mean anything. Um, but, I mean, the the perception was such that Jeffrey was like, all right, you got to get this guy out of here. Um, and ultimately, Doug didn't want to fire him. And that created, that was the start of this entire right. rip. Because
2: uh, sometimes this balloons. It's, it's, oh, yeah. Jeff Lloyd's going to make a decision on a pitch position until the head coach disagrees, until the head coach takes a stance, and all of a sudden you got a Super Bowl head coach, winning coach who's uh, out the door. Uh, I know it seems like a miniscule thing we're picking on, but it's had major results. Yeah, and, it uh, had major ramifications.
3: And it was Mike Rowe as well. Mike Rowe was the bigger part of that. Uh, but Carson was a part of it as well. Um, so, yeah, it's a little bit bizarre, but and and he, I've been pretty consistent. I was consistent with Doug. I'll be consistent with Nick. Uh, they should be allowed to pick their assistant coaches to the point of, look, they ask for help. You know, I often point. You know, the one and I was on with with Harry and Barrett yesterday. We got into this because of Doug Peterson. It looks like he's not going to get a head coaching job it's very early but it's certainly be trending in a direction where he hasn't seemed to be taking the lead anywhere which is nuts to me but that's another conversation I'm sure we'll have at some point Um, but as far as the assistant coaches and in these narratives of Doug doesn't know assistant coaches they've always been so dumb to me I said this on their show I, I, I was like well first of all the guy played 13 seasons in the NFL second of all He's under the coach most known for developing future head coaches. So, what do you want him to do? A bad job to get fired? To go commiserate with other bad assistant coaches who got fired? It doesn't make any sense on the surface. Uh, but then the aspect of yes, you know, you know, it wasn't the favorite part of Doug's job to go. Um, collect and interview assistant coaches one reason because he didn't want to bother the assistants he did have. So, so it would be how he, responsibility to go get a collection of wide receiver coaches. He would interview him. He would make the decision. That's basically how it went. Nick seems to be more hands-on, but again, when he didn't have a quarterbacks coach, Howie went out and found Brian Johnson. Um, there were a a number of coaches when they were looking for a replacement for Deuce Staley, you know, Jamal Singleton, how he went out and found Jamal Singleton. Um, Number of coaches retained Jeff Stoutland, Aaron Moorhead players, coaches like that. Um, You know, obviously they weren't Nick Sirianni guys. Um, So it, it, it's a collaborative effort and, people get tired of that word, but it is, um, the core group that Nick wanted was Kevin Petula, Shane Steichen, um, and Jonathan Gannon. That was the core group. Um, uh, Jason Michaels as well, the tight end coach. Um, I might, I'm doing it off the cup, but, um, you get the point. Uh, so it's not Jeffrey Corey's expertise. He should leave. He should leave. Assistant coaches. Now, if you want to talk about coordinators or head coaches, he should have a. a, a he should be involved in that. Head, co- head, head coach. coach head No team. doubt. Oh yeah. Coordinators
2: wow. mostly. Yeah. Position coach. Come on, Jeff. No. Have better things to do. No. As the owner of the organization, uh, glad to see you see it the same as me. There. All right. I do want to put up. Uh, well, you know what? Let's take a uh, timeout. Uh, we've got. Ed Kratz going to join us in less than a half an hour from now. When we come back, I I do want to talk about the the quarterback who got a ringing endorsement yesterday. But one question that I thought wasn't as fully answered as it could have been, and for my read should have been, uh, I'll get John's take on that about uh, Jalen Hurts and this upcoming off season. Next, here on Birch Three Sixty Five.
5: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view, it goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want, or don't. Go for him, go for her, go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
6: At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that.
0: Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free?
6: That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of stateside vodka. So good, it just disappears.
0: You know you like being right. That's why you should enroll in an Independence Blue Cross plan. It's the health plan chosen by more people than any other with more doctors and hospitals, more benefits that really rock more of the coverage you want for the right price, including free doctor visits, 24 seven. It's a choice you can feel good about because when you're right, you're right. And when you've got independence, blue cross, you're right where you need to be. Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an independence blue cross plan.
7: field of life first trust bank is there for you because philadelphia dreams deserve a philadelphia bank
2: get your mac and mac guys john mcfong john mcdonald here with john a Non football Thursday. Sorry to say, we got a whole bunch of them coming up for the next several months because uh, the Eagle season ended on Sunday against Tampa. Well, tomorrow we'll get into uh, the playoff games that will be played this week. The eight teams that are still playing, and as I noted yesterday, of those eight teams, seven divisions are represented. Johnny <laughs> Mac, the only yeah. one that's not the NFC least. You got two yeah. NFC West squads, only uh, one from everyone else, and no. NFC's teams, which try to put the positive spin on things. Hey, it's a winnable division next year. Get right back in there, Eagles. Top of those cowboys. Howie Roseman talked extensively about getting home playoff games. That's one way to assure at least one is win that division. So uh maybe next year is a gettable division for the Eagles. All right, uh Johnny back. Jalen Hurt. Um, we said at the top, at least my estimation, you pretty much agree with me. You just said you weren't surprised. I was a little surprised that they went as strongly as they did. They left themselves wiggle room. They can get out. They can go trade for Russell Wilson. Hey, it was Russell Wilson. Forget what I said in the postseason press conference. Uh, Established. Done. Here's one thing that I was just slightly disappointed in, and tell me if I'm being unfair. The coach talked extensively about how they got Jalen to improve in season that the reps, the importance of the reps, the preseason reps, the in-game reps, the things that he points out, the footwork and the tape work. And he gave us a lot of detail on that, which I thought was great. But then the question came up about Jalen during the offseason. And his answer was, well, I haven't had my meeting with Jalen yet. And we have our things that we want him to work on. And I'll ask him what he's. I was like hoping for details uh, on one of our guests earlier this week. I specifically asked, do we know what Jalen's going to do during the off season? Cause everyone acknowledges he still needs improvement. He made strides this year, but he is far from a finished product. So I like a little more detail on what this off season is going to be like for Jalen hurts so that he can be an, accru- an improved quarterback next year. Nick was kind of short on the details of what that really. Entails. Well, there,
3: you know, this is one of those hidden things in the NFL calendar, in the change in the game, the change in the sport that has really affected the game has really affected teams has really affected young quarterbacks in short, they don't know. Cause there's nothing they can do in, in Jalen's case. And I think he asked Chris Franklin and it might've been Dave, might've been Dave, Dave Ngaro. And Dave brought up Quincy Avery. That's his personal quarterback coach who, by the way, I tried to get on the show last year, but didn't want to do it because you know, there were still some questions and he doesn't want to affect Jalen's, um status well, will Eagle. you
2: be able to get him this I don't year know. because I'll try. Uh, hey, I he's saw he Howie and Nick both step up yeah. and say, Oh no, he's our guy. We've yeah. discussed he knows where we're at, he's our guy. So yeah. you shouldn't be uh worried about the his quarterback coaching. So we'll see. Yeah, I don't want it, to over. It, it,
3: it's a tough but you know, and I remember talking to John D. Polippo about this back in the Carson days. And because John's a guy who bridged the old system and the new system. And, you know, you could be hip to hip with the quarterback for essentially the entire year. No, no more. Um, You got to trust that, And that's one of the great things about Jalen Hurts. You know, the work ethic is not a problem. You know, he's going to be there. You know, he's going to be working. You're going to tell him what you want him to work on. But at the same time, you're at the mercy of somebody else. You know, Quincy works with a lot of quarterbacks. He's not a Philadelphia Eagles coach, and you you don't you don't have any control over that circumstance. All you can do is you know lay out the plan and lay out and say this you know footwork, footwork, blah blah, whatever you want. Um, And then you got to start over when you get them back in the building which is pretty much April now. Um, and it, it's a problem. I, I our, our buddy John Machado covers the Cowboys we've had on, from The Athletic as well, uh, Zach Berman. I don't know if you saw, Jody, but he tweeted that comment from Troy Aikman uh, talking about young quarterbacks. And part of it was, you know, the Tampa Bay game. I forget he was talking about somebody else specifically. I'll have to look it up in the break, but you you could, you could spin it off to how the Buccaneers were playing uh, Jalen hurts. And we talked about it um, on Tuesday, loading the box and single coverage on the outside and single how they were, they were saying they were begging him: throw the football, throw the football, throw the football, you know, back in the old days and, 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 Troy said, if, if I saw single coverage, uh, off coverage on Michael Urban, he'd have 10 catches by the second quarter. I mean, I just keep doing it. I just keep throwing it. If you're going to do it, I'm going to take it. And in the case of Devontae Smith, young quarterbacks aren't
2: allowed to do that.
3: in the, in the modern NFL, they're not allowed to do that. Even if they could, even if they could decipher it, whereas, and that's why you have such a huge advantage when you have Tom Brady doing everything from the line of scrimmage, you're going to do this. I'm going to do that. I don't care if it's 15 times in a row. If you're going to do it 15 times in a row, I'm going to do it 15 times in a row, but there's some ego. We've talked about ego in this show already, There's some ego with play callers and coaches in this league, and they want to be in charge. And I've always said, and I still say, the ultimate goal for every offensive coach, every offensive play caller in this league should be getting a quarterback like Tom Brady or Pete Manning who can orchestrate the whole game from the line of scrimmage. The whole game. If they can do it, let them do it. Because it ain't no better than you. And it might be simplified. It might be more simplified. And you can't show off all your Sean McVay eyewash and all that nonsense. But if somebody's playing off and you have Michael Urban, throw the damn football to Michael Urban. And if they keep doing it, throw it again and throw it again and throw it again.
2: To further submit your point, John, and you and I are complete lockstep on this, Um, when a play call gets called in from the sideline, be it from the head coach or the offensive coordinator or a combination thereof and gets transferred to the quarterback, I know we're talking about a matter of 15 to 20 seconds. But the world can change in those 15 to 20 seconds. You have what you believe is going to be the defense and the positioning of their players as you're calling the play in. And then they come to the line of scrimmage and they give you a completely different look. I know it's the same guys. You can't be substituting, but a lot of guys have positional flexibility and do different things and like the quarterback moves up to the line. He can see it. They're there. You're about to snap the ball. The defense isn't going to change. Oh, but they can change plenty between the time that you send the play in and you come up to the line of scrimmage and you're about to snap the ball, be it in the gun or under center. That's why you love having a quarterback who can take all the information you've given him all week long, all the things you practice, every meeting you've had, every Zoom you've done. But in the moment, you have to trust him to read all that and make the proper call and react correctly. If you don't have that quarterback, then you're not going to be successful in this league. If you needed more of a tutorial than what Tom Brady gave you last Sunday, then you weren't paying close enough attention, which is one of the reasons why I'm still okay with Jalen Hurts being their quarterback. I think he's that smart a guy. I think he's got that skill set. Some of his other physical attributes, I think, still need to be improved but I think he's smart enough uh, that the between the ears aspect of playing quarterback, I think he's going to be good enough in this league. How about you?
3: Yeah, I, 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 I mean, you're right. It's to be determined. I do, I do want to say, and I'll get back to Jalen, but um, so just to give everybody an indication what I was talking about, cause I found it from John, this is what Troy said. He was talking about the Cowboys game. I should have known that, but. It's not just Dallas. I've seen it with a lot of teams. A lot of these offenses want to scheme things. The coordinators, it's all about scheme rather than this corner is playing soft. He's scared to death. Just run the route tree, run a comeback, run a dig, uh, run a curl, run anything. You're going to complete the pass whether you want. (laughs) Michael Urban would have had 10 catches at halftime if they played us that way. They played C.D. Lamb in that game. Uh, The game is not that difficult. If I've I've got a great player at wide receiver and a corner is playing him single coverage, throw him the ball. He's going to win most of the time. So those were Troy's comments. And, you know, people took that, some eagle, you know, because Devontae Smith was getting, and yet they didn't get him the ball until there was less than a minute left. So bringing that back to what you were saying about Jalen, yeah, I don't, I don't question anything about Jalen's, uh, uh, as I said, his work ethic, his football IQ, his ability to learn things. He's always been way above average in that kind of stuff. But if you're not allowed to do it, you're not allowed to do it, Jody. That's the bigger problem. You have this whole generation of coaches, and it starts at college. You watch a lot of college football. What happens? Quarterback goes up to the line of scrimmage he looks at the defense, he walks back, then he looks to the side to be told what to do. That's what we're dealing with. And so it's sort of a catch-22 when it comes to NFL coaches. Well, do you want to go through this massive process of teaching somebody to be Tom Brady, or do you want to utilize the strengths of the players right now? It's a really difficult question what the eagles were doing is trying to utilize and I think I think they did a good job. Jalen Hurts was done a disservice at the college level. Every young quarterback is done a disservice at the college level. But I will say this, at the college level, their main goal is not to prepare players for the NFL. Right. They're trying to win games. And they don't have as much time. So they've come up with this system. But it, it, it's, it's, so I don't have the answer. But if you get somebody, all I do know is if you get somebody like Tom Brady who can do it, or Peyton Manning who can do it, or Aaron Rodgers who can do it, and you don't want that, you shouldn't be coaching in this league.
2: Here's a question that I, don't know if you know the answer to because I sure as heck don't um what is <laughs> and it goes back to the definition of the word voluntary um because yes I'm still very intrigued on how the offseason is going to go with Jalen Hurts, and you can't mandatory uh have meetings and come into the uh care complex and the like but the Eagles open up their doors every day for their players. You want to come in, you want to get a workout, you want to use the facility, you can do that. Um, the league oversees this very tightly because the players have fought for it and you can't make it mandatory and the like. But you can always volunteer anytime. If Jalen Hurts volunteer wants to-,
3: to work out, you can't volunteer to there's no football work allowed. None. None. I mean, you're right. You can walk in the facility, you can work out, you can do conditioning. You're not even supposed to have, um, uh, uh, contact with the coaches with the exception of, Hey, how you doing? <laughs> and no football work allowed. Um, yeah, it, I mean, look, I get it because from, from the NFL PA's perspective, Look, these these teams were running these guys ragged. There was no offseason whatsoever. Um, you know, the season ended, you were back. That's what John, was when I was talking about John DiFilippo, that's what he told me. The season ended, you were back with the quarterback. You know, maybe you took a couple days, and then you're back with him. Um, and, and it was a, quite a grind. Um, there's got to be a catch-22. Um, and... The, but again, I go back to everything with the NFL is popularity. You've seen the TV ratings. Um, nobody stops watching. So they're not concerned about a, a slip in play or, or a slip in. The, I always talk about the aesthetic value of the game. It's not what it once was. The athletes are better than they ever were. But the aesthetic value of the game is lesser than probably it's ever been in uh, not ever but certainly in, in years and years and years and that's because of the lack of preparation the lack of practice time all that kind of stuff but nobody cares because nobody turns
2: it off so right. why would you care that is kind of like the bottom line which leads to the bottom line if everybody's watching everybody's making money That's a good thing. We don't have to sweat the details as long as the uh, cha-ching at the end of the day is still what it's always been, and it just continues to get louder and louder and louder. All right, uh, John, do want to touch on this with uh, Ed Kratz when he joins us, but just let me get it out for you uh, before Eddie Kay comes on with us. Um, One of the things that was not uh, touched upon yesterday and didn't think it was going to be was Jason Kelsey. You mentioned earlier that the athletic Dane Brugler uh, put out a mock and had the uh, Eagles drafting a center with their first draft pick. You better believe that Jason Kelsey is going to be retired if that's the pick that the Eagles are actually going to have to make. That's not official yet, and we're still – I personally am hoping – I'm probably putting Eagle-colored glasses on here that uh, Kelsey is back again next year. The possibility of retirement has been sitting there for – three, four, five off seasons in a row now. So it certainly does again this year. Uh, I answered this earlier in the week and you didn't know, but I'll ask you again, just in case. Mm, tomorrow, next week, two weeks, three weeks. Jason Kelsey is as straight a shooter. He is as much a Philly guy as we've had here in a long time. We think of, think of him as a Hall of Famer. I don't even have to bring up the mummer's outfit at the parade, but everybody knows what Jason Kelsey is here and what he means to Philadelphia. When do you think we're going to get to know whether he's planning on coming back next year or not?
3: Uh, yeah, we'll know by the start of the new league year. The Eagles set up the contract like that. I'm trying to look at the exact date. Um, they uh, So March 16th, I believe, is the start of the new league year. Um. Yeah, I can't find it offhand, but, um, you it'll be near go that all case. the
2: way through February. Not
3: necessarily, but I mean, if he wants to, we could, but the Eagles set up the contract and they, they paid him 12 million this year with incentives. Um, and they he, he has, I think, uh, he has one of those dummy contracts with all the voidable years. Oh yeah. Um, and and the Eagles put in that sort of pill that uh, yeah, you, you got to make a decision by a certain date. Um, last year he made it earlier uh, than he needed to. So, but but the Eagles will know. The larger point is the Eagles will know by the start of the new league year whether they have Jason Kelsey or not. And obviously they did that on purpose. So you got to make decisions from there. And it might be in-house decisions. Talked about Isaac. Um, Jeff Stoutland has always thought center is Isaac Samalo's most natural position because he's such a smart player. Uh, They might consider that. um, Or they might say, we got three first-round picks, and the kid from Iowa is going to go in that range, belongs in that range. And and try to go in that direction. Landa Dickerson can play center. A lot of di- lot of directions they could go.
2: And the only direction I want to know is before we before we take a direction one way or the other, we got to know if Jason's going to be back. And I surely hope that that's the case. And um, they they do have the kind of depth that lose it. You usually think we're going to lose a Hall of Fame level player. Oh my God, what that was going to happen? We might
3: lose two on the offensive line, but but you know. And Brandon Brooks hasn't been around for so long, I, I think, you know, people forget about how good he was. But if you lose Jason Kelsey and, and, and Brandon
2: Brooks in the same year, and they'll still have a top five offensive line. Right. They, they made it through the year without Brandon Brooks. They already proved that they can do that. They haven't proved that they can do it without Jason Kelsey just yet. And, yeah, Sayamala would be a return guy who would just be relocated, and then you could be okay. But I need to see it with my own eyes, and I hope I don't have to. I hope they actually have the flexibility of moving Isaac Sayamala over to the right side uh, next year, next lane. That could be a very good offensive line if they come back healthy. And that's excluding Brandon Brooks, which we're still looking for. He's like, where's Waldo? We haven't been able to spot him just yet. Um, And Ed Kratz is scheduled to join us. Coming up next, as a matter of fact, I like the fact that Ed got a little out there on the edge and said, hey, you know, Brandon Brooks could be back. And no, he still wears well now. We're waiting for the arrival of Brandon Brooks, like kind of like Goodell. Uh, Jody McDonald and John McMullen, hanging with you here on Birds 365. Offseason now officially underway. Uh, we're trying to get some insight from what Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni said yesterday. We'll get a third party involved. Get his take on uh, the Eagles' first, at least, verbal forays into the offseason. Ed Kratz, Sports Illustrated, jumps on next here on Birds 365.
5: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him.
0: And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free?
6: That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first time purchase of stateside vodka. So good, it just disappears.
0: You know you like being right. That's why you should enroll in an Independence Blue Cross plan. It's the health plan chosen by more people than any other. With more doctors and hospitals, more benefits that really rock. More of the coverage you want for the right price, including free doctor visits 24-7. It's a choice you can feel good about, because when you're right, you're right. And when you've got Independence Blue Cross, you're right where you need to be. Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan.
2: and McDonald. Uh, we're hoping Ed Kratz stops aboard uh, with us here in just a, a couple of minutes. Coming up uh, yesterday, the guys all had a chance to uh, ask questions of Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni. The session lasted 35 minutes, a uh, solid amount of time, uh, and I thought both Howie uh, and Nick did what they had to do. They they took stances where they needed to. They hedged where they needed to. It leaves all options open for the off season and the off season has now officially gotten underway. They talked about the meetings that they've had and Nick's around. He said he hadn't had his uh, meeting with Jeff Lurie. You don't think there's any chance that that one goes off the rails last year. We can't forget. No. Not too long ago. It seemed like Doug Peterson was coming back because after the season ended, the week had come and gone and Doug was still here. And then oops, all of a sudden the next week things went off the rails and Doug Peterson was no longer a- That can't happen this year with Nick Sirianni,
3: can it? Nah, we're still in the honeymoon phase, Jody. Honeymoon phase with Nick Sirianni. Everything's copacetic. Nobody's got any issues. Everybody's getting along. But I do think they probably didn't have the meeting until after the season-ending press conference on purpose because if you don't have the meeting, you don't have to talk about things that were in the meeting. So it was probably savvy to do that
2: as well. We'll see uh, exactly how that uh, goes, but uh, people are going to have to be able to get that without uh, uh, Zoom sessions and direct answers from the participants involved. All right, let's uh, Zoom section up our buddy from Sports Illustrated. NYU is that what you're wearing today, Kratz?
8: You got it, buddy. You got it.
2: Grad. My son is.
8: My son's graduated. Very nice. Yeah. yeah. That's a golden ram. I am a golden ram. I don't have any Golden Rim uh, swag, though. I'm yeah, a, um, why. I'm a Golden Rim I, as I'm, well.
2: I'm guessing you both grew out of it from the time you would have <laughs> well, it. Well, I
3: certainly <laughs> did. I don't know about Ed. Ed was a wrestler. So.
8: Yeah, things have uh, gotten a little more snug as I've gotten a little bit older. <laughs> <laughs> had to add the extra X to my uh, wardrobe. Yeah.
3: But, uh, you know, you, obviously you're proud of your son. And NYU, I would be as well. But I've always called uh, uh, WCU, the NYU of the Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference. Yeah. So
8: it's the <laughs> Ivy League of Pennsylvania. Really? That's true. Yeah, That's true. Nobody's
2: interested in this. I, 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 somehow, I think the University of Pennsylvania would argue with that, yeah. since there is an actual Ivy League school here in Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. But that's just my guess. No, that,
8: yeah.
3: that's just reputation. Okay. How, uh, how about Chester County?
8: County, the Ivy League yeah. of Chester County? Yes. How
2: about there you about? go. Ding, ding.
8: <laughs> yeah.
3: All right. Let's 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 talk about the Eagles, at Obviously, uh, season-ending press conference, Howie Roseman, Nick Sirianni. You got to start with the quarterback. Um, pretty definitive. They left uh, a little opening, the door slightly ajar, but it's pretty clear that the plan – as of January nineteenth, at least, was Jalen Hurts is going to be the starting quarterback of this team. It, it, did it surprise you how emphatic they were?
8: Uh, not, not really. Um, I guess if you could look back to the summer when they were pretty non-committal uh, about who the quarterback was going to be, and that left all the rumors of Deshaun Watson and. Uh, you know, different quarterbacks possibly coming in. Yeah, I guess it is a bit of a surprise when you look at it that way. But I kind of think they really had no choice in this situation to kind of back him. I mean, he took him to the playoffs. Nick Sirianni has raved about him pretty much all season, talking about how he has improved, how he's gotten better. And, you know, now it seems like the general manager's on board, and I, and I think that's the way they're going to go with this, is they're going to go with Jalen Hurts unless, you know, someone makes uh, – Makes him an offer, Howie that is, an offer that he can't refuse. If somebody goes all godfather on him, uh, then, you know, maybe he he, he switches up midstream. But uh, right now it seems to be the way it's going to go. It didn't really surprise me. I, I guess they were pretty emphatic about it. Maybe that's a surprise. But, um, yeah, I think that was kind of the direction they had to go. Jalen Hurts put them in that corner, and um, that's that's the decision they've made
2: since you went the godfather rudolph follow-up there so you're telling me there's no chance that howie roseman goes all godfather on a quarterback on another team that he makes seattle an offer that they can't review or he makes when the sean watson's legal situation gets cleared up enough and john and i talked about this extensively on the show yesterday he educated me things uh, me to things i didn't know Uh, It doesn't seem to you like they're going to godfather another team's quarterback in here to Philadelphia.
8: Yeah, I I don't think so. I think they're pretty genuine when they say they want to build this team with these draft picks and and put weapons around Jalen Hurts. So, you know, I don't think that he would go out, and maybe he does, just to see if he can't play somebody. Um, But I think it's going to take a lot to land one of these quarterbacks, and I don't think Roseman would part with – Uh, You know, a first-round pick this year or two. I saw some some on Twitter say, how about all three first-round picks for Russell Wilson, which I think is, you know, obviously way too high. Um, But, yeah, I I don't think...
2: That's what I think it's going to take.
8: Yeah, well, I don't think Roseman would do that. I really don't think he'd, you know, forfeit three first-round picks for a 33-year-old quarterback that's going to blow up your salary cap coming off a down year. I just don't see that happening. You need other parts of this team to be built, and if you go and trade away this draft collateral for a quarterback, <laughs> I just I don't see them doing that. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I'm don't. i not sure Howie Roseman's going to be actively shopping for a deal with another quarterback. I think if somebody were to come to him and say, hey, this is what we'll give you, we'll give you, you know, uh, whatever, to Sean Watson for, a, you know, a fourth-round pick or something ridiculous, then, yeah, okay, let's do it. But I just don't see that happening.
3: I think it was Daniel Jeremiah. I I I I think it was a little bit too much. So I'll throw this out to you What about two first round picks? And, and, and yeah. let's knock it down. We'll talk about 16 to 19. They have 15, 16, 19. So 16 and 19. A 2023 20, first round pick, that probably gets it done. And that 2023 20, first round pick in theory. You won nine games this year. If you if you're able to pick up Russell Wilson, that's going to put you in the twelve win category at least conversation wise. So that would make the the twenty twenty three pick less um, exciting because it'll be down at the bottom of the first round. Does that pique your interest?
8: No, not really. Uh, again, uh, I just don't. I don't think I'd give up that kind of collateral. You know, you're talking about two first round picks this year and a first round pick next year. I, I that's just what it's gonna take. Yeah. It and, is. And again, I, I get just,
2: that. Seattle's gonna get three ones. The,
8: mm-hmm. And I just don't see that happening. Again, and does Russell Wilson even want to come here? I mean Well, know, that's
3: the bigger yeah. That's the Yeah. Bigger
8: but I just I just don't see them going that direction. I really don't. I think they're pretty genuine about their desire to put these parts around. Jalen Hurts, and grow Jalen Hurts into their system. Um, He's gotten his feet wet one year in. He comes back as a second-year guy, uh, and and you see what he can do, see if he can get better as a passer. Uh, I I think they're genuine about that. I think they see this defense, and they know that they have holes on this defense that need fixed. You look at the secondary, you're losing – potentially losing three of your four starters and Nelson McLeod and Harris. I mean, who's going to play those spots for you? Uh, You have to go out and address that. Now they're going to have money to spend in free agency. Yeah. But um, you know, free agency is no guarantee of, you know, successful fix, you know, only 33%. I think I saw of free agents work out with their new team. So, um, you know, I think they're pretty intent on going into the draft with these picks. Now, On draft day, could that change? You know, sure, you can move up, you can move down, you can move out for another pick next year if you want to kind of hedge your bets on Jalen Hurts. If you try to acquire another first round pick in 2023, whatever that looks like, but I I think they were pretty much sold on Hurts being the
2: guy. All right, Ed Kratz, being the all around NFL insider that you are, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor and rank where Quez Watkins falls in on the number two wide receiver list across the (laughs) National Football League. Because the coach said he thought he could be pretty high on that list. Number one, it did kind of connotate that Jalen Rager is no better than a three. I don't even know that he's at. But but Watkins is going to be able to comp through any and all other two wide receivers in the league. That wasn't the case this year. Why should I believe it will be the case next year?
8: Well, you know, I, I, I you'd have to give me a list of some number two wide receivers that we can compare Oh, I'd
2: start with C D Lamb in division if Amari Cooper is there at number one. You wanna compare C D Lamb to Quez Watkins?
8: <laughs> okay. No. All right. So that pushes him down to number two. The well, how, number about, how about how about
3: how about Chris Godwin in Tampa behind Mike Evans?
8: Yeah, I mean you know, Super Bowl team, sure. Chris Godwin's pretty good. How about uh,
3: you know, uh, how, how we'll go uh, Adam Thielen to Justin Jefferson?
5: Yeah, <laughs>
8: hey, hey, and listen, you're talking about two guys there that got hurt this year. You know, Thielen couldn't finish the season. Godwin couldn't finish the season. You know, still take best availability. If the best ability is availability, Quez Watkins checks that box. <laughs> yeah, he did.
2: He, he made it to all seventeen games. God bless him.
8: That's a positive. I yeah, get, sure. I that. it. Hey, and the guy had 600 and what, 646 yards receiving. That's pretty, that's pretty good in an offense that there's no doubt goes through Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. You know, Jalen Hurts gets his, his piece. So, I mean, that, that's a pretty significant number for a number two wide receiver. I mean, we – it's been a long time since we've seen two receivers like Smith and Watkins in Philadelphia go over 1500 yards combined. Uh, You know, I can't remember maybe 2014 with Macklin and uh, you know, Vaughn or whoever else was the number two then. But I mean, it's been a long time since we've seen a wide receiver group have that kind of success. So, I think it's fair to be excited about Quez Watkins. Did the coach overspeak and say, hey, he's could be the best number two of all time or whatever? He's, <laughs> uh, you know, that, don't, that's don't know I at all. Time. I uh, think he
2: was going for next year. Yeah. Yeah.
8: <laughs> yeah I t- whatever it was, it's a little bit far flung. And, you know, as coach. I,
2: I, I think
8: what Nick said was it was
3: one of the best number twos, got a chance to be one of the best number twos that he's been around. So evidently, Uh, Nick hasn't been around many great number twos, nothing against Quez, but um, he's not, you know, one of the issues and Jody and I were talking about this and with the draft coming up and the three first round picks, as you mentioned it, this team is traditionally built uh, up front on both sides of the football, offensive, defensive line. I think they're right to do that. I think that's the reason they're competitive in these so-called transitional years. But people like skill positions. They like the sexy picks. They like that. And and they want, uh, on offense, they certainly want receivers. That hasn't worked out for them. On defense, they want playmaking linebackers, which the Eagles just don't take. Um, Is that going to
8: change this year with multiple first round picks. Uh, no, I think, listen, they need to look at the defensive line very seriously. Obviously they only had 29 sacks this year, very thin at defensive end. How he said, Brandon Graham will return next year. That, that will help. <clears throat> but listen, even if they had him this year, how many sacks is he good for? You know, five, maybe six, seven. I don't know. You're still in the low thirties. Uh, not good enough. Um, you, you know, Fletcher Cox, it sounded like he might've come back now. You know, you talk about how he picking up the phone and making calls on Jalen. I could certainly see him doing that with Fletcher Cox and Fletcher Cox being, uh, you know, moving on this offseason. And then you're going to have to look at defensive tackle uh, in the draft or free agency. Uh, and then you look at the offensive line. I mean, you, let's say they make these three picks. I could see them investing a, one of those in an offensive lineman because Brandon Brooks sounds like he's going to be moving on, whether he retires or goes play to play elsewhere. I don't know. Uh Jason Kelsey sounds like he'll be back, but if he doesn't and he retires, I mean, that's two pretty big losses on your offensive line right there. So, yeah, you're going to have to find, uh, you know, some high pedigree player in the draft to replace those two guys or at least one of those guys. And even if only one re- retires or moves on, uh, I think you still go that direction. I-, I think you have to look at offensive line as, as in play uh, for one of those first-round picks.
2: I was a little surprised by your take there, Ed yay or nay fletcher cox is going to be a philadelphia eagle next year
8: well as we sit here on january night or january 20th i guess it is now i i would say yay he will be uh but it would not surprise me if he was 900%. not all
2: right it, the, yeah. the, I, maybe i misheard you maybe i mistook you it sounded to me like you were leaning more toward fletcher not than than yes coming back but you're still yes but it's not impossible that he uh is moved during the offseason.
8: Correct. Yeah. I mean, you know, once the new year hits in the middle of March, you know, the new league year, uh, once that hits, then, you know, check back with me. I might feel a little bit differently. Um, But right now it seems like Fletcher will be a part of this team, but it would not surprise me if Howie picks up the phone and says, hey, do you want Fletcher Cox for this, this, and this, whatever.
3: Well, let's talk about the assistant coaches, Ed, because, you know, recent history and obviously new coaching staff, um, Jeffrey Lurie's had this sort of, uh, I call it scapegoating. You know, nobody's happy at the end of their season except one team. So, you know, there's always uh, improvement to be made. And the Eagles have generally made some changes on their coaching staff, even when they weren't drastic like last year, whether it was going back to Carson Walsh, Mike Crow, people like that. You think there's any chance – that the coordinators, absent of, of Jonathan Gannon getting a head coaching job, any chance he or Michael Clay are are not back? I think we know Shane Steichen is going to be back. Um, and then positional coaches. How
8: much shakeup do you think there's going to be? Or is there going to be any? Well, you know, Sirianni said he really liked this staff. Now nah, it doesn't mean they're all going to come back. I, I think you have to start with the special teams coach, Michael Clay, nice guy like Michael Clay. Um, but their special teams weren't very good this year. Let's face it. They really struggled on kickoff coverage. Um, their punter really went downhill. I mean, talk about guys that are probably going to go Aaron Sippus I think will go. They'll have to upgrade the punter position, but Um, Michael Clay, I think, is going to be someone that might not be back. Uh, Jonathan Gannon's interesting. I think he comes back if he doesn't get a head coaching job. But, you know, you're looking at your staff and, you know, one of the candidates that Darius Slade brought up, how much he has helped him is Denard Wilson, their DB coach. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see if the Eagles would move him to the defensive coordinator spot over Gannon. I don't see it, but Denard Wilson could – possibly become a defensive coordinator somewhere in this league. You have what, eight head coaching openings. You're going to need, you know, Yeah, defense. that's a good
3: point. Yeah. Eight
8: staffs. I mean, Denard Wilson could get a really serious look at being a defensive coordinator. So if I had to mark somebody that would not be back, it would be Michael Clay, perhaps Denard Wilson. Um, I thought Nick Rallis did a good job with the linebackers. I think putting TJ Edwards in the center of that defense really helped them. Um but you know, I think he'll be back. He's still 28 years old, very young guy. Um, you know, Tracy Rocker with the defensive line, maybe he gets replaced. I don't think so. I think they kind of bought in with him. But it, you know, the defensive line did not perform up to its abilities this year. I don't think so. Yeah, you have to look at him as possible uh, candidate to move on. Um, on the what offense, about Aaron Moorhead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, they were ready to move on from Aaron last year, and then, um, you know, they decided to bring him back. So, yeah, he he could be someone that they look to upgrade uh, with. Um, And, uh, you know, obviously, Statlin's not going anywhere. I'm just trying to rattle off the uh, coaches. Jamal Singleton certainly I don't think would go anywhere unless another team makes him an offer to be an offensive coordinator someplace. Um, but you have to th- keep in mind that there, like I said, there's eight coaching openings. You're going to need eight staffs in place in these new cities with new head coaches. So there's some guys on this Eagles staff that could be attractive candidates for an upgrade on another staff.
2: All right, our buddy uh, Les Bowen, I thought asked a good question yesterday of Coach Sirianni. Uh, twenty twenty-one to twenty twenty-two, what do you see is different about? Next year's Philadelphia Eagles version as compared to this year. And certainly what you're looking to do is improve. Uh, So what do you want to either be better at in 2022 or change from 2021 to 2022? And Nick went down the road of fast starts or inability to not get fast starts, both for the season at two and five and in games, more so in the second half of the season than the first, that it's. Be nice to not be behind seven, ten. Get the 14. coin toss in
3: there, Jody. Get the coin toss in there.
2: Well, he 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 didn't get the coin toss in there. So, do I really need to bring it up again? I was hoping that's where he went. He did not. No great talk about not surprising. Uh, the 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 coach didn't go there on. I need to be better on that. Um, so we'll stick to the answer that he did give, and he didn't go into great details. Can the Eagles be better in that? uh you expect a quicker start next year? They better be better than two and five. Uh, but in games, is this a trait that if they continue to coach the way they coach, it's something that they're going to have to get over, Mr. Kratz?
8: You know, slow starts record-wise have been kind of, you know, the bugaboo of this team before uh, Nick Sirianni. You remember Doug Peterson got off the slow starts in 2018 and 2019, and they're playing catch-up all season long having to win games at the end of the year to get into the playoffs. So it's not just a Nick Sirianni problem. Uh, it could be a personnel problem, but you hope that in the second year of a head coaching staff or, you know, a coaching staff that you're a little bit more familiar with how things are being done. You hope that Nick Sirianni has learned his lesson in terms of maybe game planning to get off the quicker starts. I don't know how much is being done in the way of, you know, uh, scripting plays, but, whatever it is they need to figure that out because you cannot get off the slow starts to the season and slow starts in games i mean you can't fall behind tampa bay 17 nothing in a playoff game and expect to come back to win you can do that against washington and new york because of the you know their talent level but you can't do that in a game and that's where it's got to start you got to get off the quicker starts in a game because if you do that then you're going to win more consistently hopefully early on. So they're sitting at four and two instead of two and four or five and two, whatever it is. But yeah, you you can't put yourself in a playoff situation from week 13 on through the rest of the season. You know, it's just not sustainable. So I think they can get better with more consistency. A head coach that has hopefully learned how to, begin games um, and and players that are young enough now that know what it takes to get started. So, yeah, I think they can get better just by being another year older, uh, you know, in the, in the coach's chair and on the field with the players. So, yeah, I think they can get better in that regard. But again, it's been a problem that goes back way before Sirianni and it hasn't gotten fixed. They have to figure out how to do that.
3: You know, that's interesting. uh, And you bring up, and that has been a theme, slow starts dating back to, uh, the previous regime. So I'm, I'm going to spin that off, off into a, a larger, uh, more encompassing question. The, the history of this team in recent seasons has been playing poorly early in the season and then playing well late when they get into the NFC East portion of their schedule, which has been a terrible division. And as Jody will tell you, there are eight teams playing this weekend only one division isn't represented, the NFC East. So when we look at this as a as a, a a bigger picture thing, and the Eagles overachieving at nine and eight, is there some fools gold in there because they're beating these NFC
8: East teams who stink? Dallas doesn't stink, but you get That's my raining. point. Randy. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, sure, I think there's four fools gold there. Yes. Um, but you can only play who you can play. And, you know, you right now, you're the second best team in the NFC East. And last year they weren't, they were the fourth best team in the NFC. East. So if you want to look at it that way, that's a little bit of improvement, but just how much have they improved from that two and five star? Yeah. Because they played the NFC East. I mean, did they really improve or are they just the, bad, the best team of a bad lot? And they're not, like you said, even the best team, the Cowboys are the best team in the NFC East. And we saw what happened to them. Uh, so yeah, the NFC East. You know, this is the time you, you should be making your move. If the division's going to be this week, you better take advantage of it, and uh, you better figure out a way to get to the top of it. And like Howie Roseman said, try to host one of those playoff games uh, going forward. Uh, it's a big step to take. I, I'm, I'm not convinced they're there. Obviously, I, I, you know, there's always teams that make the playoffs that don't come back the following year, the Eagles were one of them. They didn't get in last year. They got in this year, but I think there were seven teams that did not make the playoffs in 2021 that were there in 2020. So, you know, that next step is going to be very difficult to take, but you're right. Being in this division certainly helps their case. All
2: right, Eddie, I want to see if your perception, and that's all it is at this time is perception is the same as my partner's John's. Um, He said a couple of times over the last few days, not trending in the direction of Doug Peterson getting one of the head coaching jobs that you know, a lot of names are being thrown around. Doug's had a couple of meetings, hasn't come out of there with whispers of, Ooh, he could get the job or they were pressed by him. Uh, so it might not happen for Doug this off season. He got the Eagle job. So he had to interview well enough with Jeff Florey to convince left Jeff Florey to hire him. And yeah, they cashed the Super Bowl ticket. God bless everybody. Um, I'm assuming he's as good, if not a better interviewer now. He does have a Super Bowl ring that he can wear into a meeting like that, which would impress me. I don't know. Other owners around the league, I don't know if so much, but it would impress the spot out of me. If the perception is correct, why do you think Doug isn't uh, advancing toward one of these eight coaching openings?
8: True geez, you got me, um, you know, <laughs> I,
2: sorry, it's a tough question. Unfair question. I know not, that's no. not your usual beat, but I just wanted no, to know. I, I opinion mean, on
8: it. you're right. I mean, he's got the resume. He, he probably has the reference from Andy Reed in his back pocket as well. Um, that certainly helped him get the Eagles job In Jeffrey Lurie's eyes. Andy Reed still walks on water. So that helped. Um, but yeah, listen, you know, <sighs> You look at head coaches in the league, too. I don't think there's ever been a head coach that's won a Super Bowl with two different teams, um, unless I'm mistaken. So if you're a team that thinks they're close, and really do any of these eight teams think they're close to a Super Bowl, uh, you know, they're looking for new coaches for a reason. But, uh, you know, maybe that's part of it. Maybe Doug uh, wants more power than some of these organizations are willing to give. You know, that was always an issue in Philadelphia was the whole power Uh, structure with Jeffrey and and Howie. So maybe he's looking for more power than these organizations are willing to give someone who, uh, you know, they just want him to coach. And maybe he wants more, more of a say in personnel, more of a say in who he hires. And maybe teams just aren't ready to do that with him. Um, And and listen, being fired after three years from winning a Super Bowl, you have some explaining to do in that interview, how that came about. And maybe he's not given the right answers to that question.
3: It's a fair point. I hadn't thought about him, uh, you know, maybe being, um, I don't want to say upset, but, it, it, you know, what he went through here in Philadelphia and the fact that he didn't have that kind of power, maybe it's kind of pushing for more power in other situations. And that's one of the reasons uh, Adam Gase didn't get the job here in twenty. 20- uh 16 so that should really excite people sometimes it's better to be lucky than good when it comes to hiring head coaches because the eagles wanted adam Gates, then they wanted ben mcadoo they ended up with obviously uh doug peterson then this time around the hot names were arthur smith robert and brandon staley the eagles were able to get uh, interviews with salad and smith but they started late and they ended up with Nick Sirianni, who ends up as the best head coach. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good uh, when it comes to hiring these head coaches. But, boy, I I would think that that Lombardi trophy would have more cachet than it does in the NFL, which is bizarre to me. It yeah. is bizarre to me that that doesn't hold water for some of these owners. But maybe you described it best, Ed. Bad organizations are bad organizations for a reason. They don't make good decisions. And usually teams looking for coaches are bad organizations, at least in that moment, at least in that moment.
8: And and with Doug too, I mean, it, it, these recycled head coaches, sometimes they have some baggage that teams aren't comfortable with, you know, getting back to Jody's question, why isn't he getting an opportunity, you know? Recycled coaches have baggage too, and maybe he's just not explaining that away well enough. Like I said, Super Bowl champion three years ago, and he gets fired. That—that um, that to me, you got some explaining to do there, if you're Doug Peterson, and maybe he's not explaining it too well.
3: <laughs> that should be—if he isn't—that should be the easiest spin in human, you know, in, in human history. I mean, well, why was I fired three years after a Super Bowl championship? I have no idea. You tell me. That
8: seems crazy, doesn't it? That would be my explanation. <laughs> but is that is that going to satisfy you know the questioner? I don't know.
2: Yeah. All right. Ed, uh, need your expertise on this. A little speculation again. Um, you pointed out earlier that three defensive starters in the backfield last year are free agents and uh, are up for new contracts or new teams. Stephen Nelson, uh, Edwards, and uh, excuse me, uh, Harris and uh, McLeod, Rodney. If they're all looking at the same number on a one-year deal, 5, 6, 5.56, but whatever it is, and you could only give it to one of them, which one would you give it to? Who would be the best player for them to retain this offseason out of the free agent cornerback and dual safeties? that the Eagles have to make decisions on this offseason.
8: Of those three, I would probably say Steven Nelson would be the guy I would give the money to. Uh, I think he was pretty underrated on that other side from Darius Slay. Um, You look at his resume. I mean, he's been in the playoffs six out of his seven years in the league. So the guy has played winning football, as Jonathan Gannon would say.
3: (laughs) (laughs) My favorite.
8: Yeah, he's played winning football. Uh, You know, they need (laughs) – they traded for two cornerbacks, Kerry Vincent and Tay Gowan, during the season. They drafted Zach McPherson, but none of them really seemed to develop the way the Eagles probably wanted them to. So Nelson's a proven guy. So You know, uh, of those three, I would go with him. He's the youngest of the three. He's 29. The others are in their 30s. Um, But the concern is then you open up both safety spots spots you know if you're gonna if you're gonna go to the cornerback and give that contract to him and ignore the safeties then you're really gonna have have some building to do on that back end so I you know I could see them going maybe Harris because his uh injury history isn't as extensive as uh as McLeod's until this year he had played you know every snap for the last two or three years so you know he's a reliable guy is he always the best guy no not really but he's a pretty good tackler uh, and he's a little younger than Rodney, who has the injury history. And, listen, McLeod's a great leader, great veteran, great in the community. He's been great for this football team since 2016 when he came in as a free agent. But if you're going to ask for a pecking order, I'd put him third in that order, and I'd go Nelson first, Harris, and then and then Rodney.
3: Yeah, and I think uh, – and last one for me, Ed, and everybody read Ed Kratz at SI.com backslash NFL backslash Eagles or – eaglemaven.com. you can also read me there if you're so inclined but um, you bring up a good point with uh, Anthony Harris having um, a little bit younger than Rodney uh, less injury prone plus you don't want to be uh, you don't want to be replacing both safeties at one time that's really difficult but the other point is the dread 15, 16, 19. Um, and you're probably more likely to get a cornerback in that range than a safety. And that kind of plays into your strategy as well, because the kid from Notre Dame, Kyle Hamilton, he's probably going to be a top 10 pick. He's going to be out of your range, but you're going to be able to get a corner there. So I think that factors into it as well, but draft bigger picture, Ed, I'm going to force you to stay at 15, 16, 19. Which we, which we know the Eagles won't do. I don't want names. I want positions. So 15, 16, 19,
8: what do you think they're taking? Uh, well, I'll, I'll say this. If Kyle Hamilton is sitting there after the fifth pick, the Eagles could certainly move into the top 10 with the draft collateral they have to draft that Notre Dame kid. But if I'm sticking at 15, 16, 19, I'm probably going defensive line. I'm probably going offensive line and I'll probably go a secondary piece, you know, a cornerback or a safety. I, listen, I, I think in free agency you have to keep an eye on Marcus may the safety from the jets, him and Denard Wilson have a history together. Denard Wilson coached him to one of May's best seasons in the NFL. I mean, he's someone to keep an eye on. So you talk about having to replace two safeties, they can get it done with free agency and in the draft. There's your two, two guys, but I think they'll go O-line or D-line, O-line, and secondary with that number 19 pick. Um, that's the way I
2: would go. All right, so let me get this right. Marcus May goes from the Jets to the Eagles, and uh, the Eagles get uh, – excuse me. Uh, Barnett goes to the Jets because Joe Douglas has got to – <laughs> wait, I, I'm nixing that trade. No, 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 <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Jets keep Marcus. The Eagles can keep Barnett. The Jets are keeping Marcus May. But, oh, by the way, you did it again, too. Uh, we had Jack Berman on earlier. He said it wasn't. It was Dane Bugler. They're going to take an offensive lineman with one of their, op- with one of their two of They love
3: it. I know it. there's organizations who
2: it. Me, But that is the strength of this team. Isn't the draft to fill holes to make yourself better in positions that you're not good enough at? They're going back to the offensive line again. That
8: that's not the Eagles the Eagle if you ask Callie Roseman the draft isn't for patching holes in that season. It's for 3 years down the line. What's that player going to look like? Is that player going to be ready to elevate into a starting position and you have a line, Jody, with Lane Johnson who's 30 plus Jason Kelsey, that might not be back. I mean, you you have some moving pieces on that line that you need to put some uh, resources into. So yeah, I'm I'm going to go offensive line. Uh, I don't I haven't looked too deeply into the available talent and in, in the draft and this and that, but if there's somebody sitting there at fifteen, sixteen that you like that can block. Why not? Yes, I agree, a hundred percent.
2: You're doing a disservice to the Tesla that is Sua Apeta. That's all I'm saying. That's the only point I'm trying to make.
8: Yeah. He looked like an Edsel against Tampa Bay, but I, that's just between us.
2: Hey, Eagles Eagles got more sacks than the Bucks did in the game on Sunday.
8: Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did.
2: They looked yeah, pretty Ryan good. Ryan
3: Kerrigan slow played us all. Yeah. Slow played us all.
2: Eddie Kratz, you know we're going to be tapping into you plenty during the offseason. season. But feel free to have a good weekend and kick back and watch some football, even though it doesn't include the float up Eagles.
8: Absolutely. Thanks, fellas. Have a great weekend. And Brad Sports Illustrated here with us Birds
2: 365. All right, John Mcnolan Jody McDonald, coming back. Let's put a bow on the show. You're on.
5: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub.
0: And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free?
6: That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first time purchase of stateside vodka. So good. It just disappears.
0: You know, you like being right. That's why you should enroll in an independence blue cross plan. It's the health plan chosen by more people than any other with more doctors and hospitals, more benefits that really rock more of the coverage you want for the right price, including free doctor visits 24-7. It's a choice you can feel good about, because when you're right, you're right. And when you've got Independence Blue Cross, you're right where you need to be. Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan.
7: Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. 10,
2: 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. One two three. Because
7: Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia Bank.
2: Mag and back guys, with uh, the bow on the show here on this Thursday on Birds Three Sixty Five. Tomorrow, J Mac will be our 200th Birds three sixty five episode.
3: Wow, two hundred! You haven't, you haven't killed me
2: through one ninety nine. I'm same, actually same
3: uh, same day as the Netflix debut of uh, the final season of Ozark. So I'm excited. Two hundred and Ozark returns.
2: I started with Ozark. I you didn't watched like it. A good couple of seasons. now, I
3: might have to kill you.
2: Yeah, it jumped the shark for me at one point. <laughs> really? Yeah, great show. Yeah, great I did shark. like it. I, I I enjoyed it, and then. It just got, for me, a little repetitive, and I'm hey, fine. I'm out. Um, but Um, uh Maybe it's the fact that the Eagles drafted Devonta Smith last year when they had taken J.J. Arcega-Whiteside in the second round, two years before, and Jalen Rager the year before, that I said, hey, at least they're drafting for need. They got a stud value player at number 10, They evaluated their roster and they said, we still have a need at wide receiver. We've got to take this player. That's what I'm hoping for with offensive line here, that it's not, you know, our offensive line could look completely different in 2025. No, no, let's stay in 2022 mode here, that they're not taking an offensive lineman this year. But I readily admit, if Jason Kelsey retires, all bets are off. No. I'm, I'm taking my stance dependent on Jason Kelsey still being the center and playing 17 well, games I think
3: year. I think Jason Kelsey will be back, uh, but the Eagles will certainly know by that point whether he will be back or not, and I do expect him back. But I do... Brian Pellick was the first one who told me, and it's always stuck with me, always stuck with me. Um, he's not the first to say it, but need is the worst... Talent evaluator in sports. I've always subscribed to that theory. If you're if you're if you're at 15 in the draft and there is a significantly better player than you have a, but it's not at a position of need, take that player because uh, when you start reaching for people, you get your Jalen Ragers of the world.
2: Here's where here's where I'll, I'll agree and disagree with you and Coach Billick. You've got your draft board. You're picking number 15. There's a player there at number 14 in your rankings that plays a position that you are well-suited at and don't need. And there's a player at number 16 who's at a position of significant need for you. Well, then, no, I'm going to take the guy at 16. If if you're picking 15 and there's a guy on your board that's ranked 8th and he's in a position that you already have pretty well covered, And for you to fill the void of a position you need, you'd have to go to number 19 on your draft board. Well, you don't do that. You don't, need should never be the number one thing. You need to stay true to your draft board. If you got to move a slot or two to get a better positional fit, I would do that. If you got to move more than two, you're pushing it. If you got to move 10, you're an idiot. If you're going to do that and just draft for need because, well, he's the, we need a wide receiver receiver on the board and he's number 25. No, 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 no. That's how you screw up. And the
3: real, the real aspect of the real world, it's easy to say what Brian said and he's right. And it is in a, in a vacuum. It's completely correct, but you're right in the estimation. What it really comes down to is you take the best player at your positions of need. That's what it really comes down to. If you have Tom Brady, yeah, maybe it's a little different at 44, obviously. But if you have Tom Brady at 33, uh, you're not looking for a quarterback. Yeah, you we shouldn't got, we be got
2: Patrick for Mahomes him. right now. Andy yeah. Reid's not looking to draft exactly. Potential and and they might be the best
3: player on the board. They might be your best player on the board, but you're not you're not taking that player. So it's not real world, but I do think as an overall philosophy. I do think the minute you start reaching for needs um, and reaching is the key point, as you mentioned, not 15th player versus 16th best player. When you start reaching, you start making big mistakes.
2: And we have months to talk about this before we get to the draft. And the draft is going to be pretty big here with the Eagles as of now, holding on to three first round draft picks. And I think they'll be holding on to them all the way until draft day. Uh, So, yes, we got plenty to do over the next couple of months here on Bird 365. Uh, We'll get some good guests up tomorrow. You want to be back here in 22 hours. Uh, Mac, man, I will see you in 22. Cool by you? I will be here. Come back. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. For the
8: ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile